0: So what does it mean to be a modern warrior? First off, the elephant in the room. Warrior isn't a dirty word. A warrior is mindful. They seek excellence and have learnt to control their aggression. It's about understanding leadership, developing individual resilience, and seeking consistent human optimization. Remember, lifting heavy isn't dangerous. Being weak is dangerous. Fortune favors the brave and you're never given more than you can handle. This then is the Warrior U Podcast. All call signs. Ready, ready, ready. Let's roll!
2: Well, good day team, how are you? Today on the Warrior U podcast, we'll be focusing on the art of thinking clearly. Joining us for this conversation will be Professor Ian Hickey AM, an internationally renowned researcher in clinical psychiatry with a focus on mood disorders, depression and bipolar disorder. Professor Ian's work in promoting mental health, well-being and suicide prevention makes him an ideal guest for today's episode as we discuss the topic of thinking clearly and how to introduce that into our daily lives. Ian has worked as the inaugural commissioner on Australia's National Mental Health Commission overseeing accountability for mental health reform. He has now begun focusing on integrating measurement-based care systems for young people and their families aimed at promoting early intervention and the use of technology to assist with suicide prevention. He was the founding director of Headspace, an excellent resource for youth in Australia and something my own children have called upon as well, as the CEO of Beyond Blue, one of Australia's premier organisations for assisting the three million Australians currently facing anxiety or depression. Professor Hickey received the Australian Honours Award of member order of australia in the general division for services to medicine in the development of key national mental health initiatives and general practice services in both the public and non-government sectors currently ian is the co-director of health and policy at the university of sydney's brain and mind center his research and advocacy for mental health reform and care give Ian an impeccable ability to speak on the challenges that humans face when thinking His lifelong dedication to working with brain and mind means that he has developed valuable knowledge, helping people to work through different mental challenges so that they can think clearly, find productivity and stay motivated. Professor Ian Hickey, I've listened to much of your work online and you are clearly a cogent, erudite and innovative mental health professional and academic. Thank you for joining me today to speak about this important topic. Where does this podcast find you today?
1: Sadly, in my office, where I'd rather be out on a most fabulous early winter's day in the sunshine, being active and being engaged, and, and, and worse than that, on my own in my office. You know, on the topic of thinking clearly, it's so much easier to think clearly on your own. But actually, achieving things involves actually having other people. Think clearly with you, act coherently and cohesively. So one of those days for reflection on what I do, but hopefully followed by days of action to making those things real.
2: So you're in Australia, obviously.
1: Yes. Given the COVID situation, not I'm in Australia, I'm in Sydney. So I'm not with my friends in Melbourne, where I would have otherwise Mm. been. Right. I'm not with my grandchildren in other parts of the world. I'm not with my relatives. I'm not... Where sometimes I must confess, in winter I retreat Europe, Spain, Italy, wow. other places, South America. Yep, South America. And I said my close friends and other colleagues in South America who are doing it really tough at the moment. Yeah, not yeah, elsewhere in true. the world. So we enjoy, or I enjoy in particular, safety and a very high standard of living here on the beautiful lands of the Gadigal people of the Ora nation here in Sydney.
2: There you go. That's that's a that's a great introduction. Hey, um, just. You know, this, uh, this podcast is, you know, really going to talk about the art of thinking clearly and, you know, you've spent, you've spent uh, a, a career, an entire career thinking about mental health and, and suicide awareness and the brain, so I'm, I'm interested to see what your, I guess, description of the art of thinking clearly might be.
1: Yeah, so the world I'm in is filled with complex problems. And I must say, most people throw up their hands immediately, oh, it's too complex. Ah, oh, it's right. too big. Ah, uh, it's too difficult. You know, in fact, many times in my life, I was reminding of my mom yesterday, people go, not in your lifetime, Ian. It's too hard. It's too complex. It's not going to happen. Things aren't going to change. And many things about our mental life and certainly about brain function, we kind of go, oh, like, really? Mm. We barely understand how brains work. In fact, it'd be fair to say we don't. As President Obama noted, we had far more distance to travel inside our own heads than we had in outer space to understand what was really going on. And that's a journey that in a scientific sense we barely commenced. And the trouble with that is people go, oh, okay, therefore, inaction follows. Yeah. Therefore, until we know everything. In favorite, in fact, one of my current pet hates in the health system as to why it doesn't change is we can't change anything until we know everything. Yep. And we'll take no risk, and we'll take no action, because we're better off knowing the problems that we have, and simply living with them. You know, just leaving as is. I was reminded this morning, actually, I had to go and re a session I'd had with the Dalai Lama of all people last year in November. Wow! And <laughs> people had got him on the line, thinking, oh, guy, well, he's a guy who'll tolerate anything. You know, like you just go and you meditate and think that's okay." Yeah. On the contrary, we spend an hour talking about social action. You know, yes, one does need to keep one's own head under control. One needs not to be overwhelmed. One mm. needs to remain mm. in a state. But one then needs to act, actually, with both short and longer-term purpose. Right. So I think this thinking clearly is really interesting. Like, what are the long-term goals that we're trying to achieve? And then what are the tractable steps along the way to those goals? And who do we need to make those steps with to get to those goals? And this isn't just politics. It's not popularism. It's not how many people can I get on my team to go in that direction. Right. Populism. I have a joke with my kids. By the time everyone votes for what I'm in favour of, you know, it's ten <laughs> years after we should have done it, right? Yeah. That popularism in one sense, or the popular acceptance of things, often follows long after others, others of influence or capability have gone down that path to create the opportunity. Now, mental health awareness, a focus on mental health around the world at the moment, mm. uh, the use of technology in a lot of the areas I'm associated with—they're all areas that people go, oh, too hard. Oh, too difficult. Need to do many, many, many more things. Don't I understand enough to start to take reasonable actions?
2: Is that procrastination? Is that one of the effects of not thinking clearly? That's a
1: nice... Yes. (laughs) Procrastination, absolutely. Can't do anything because something might go wrong. Can't do anything until I know all the facts. I mentioned the COVID era, knowing all the facts.
2: Yeah, yeah, of course.
1: I saw uh, on TV last night, Anthony Fauci, probably one of the most famous scientists in the world at the moment, being asked would he like to revise his opinions of february 2020 they said well yes if i knew what i know now i would probably have said different things in february 2020 but don't be ridiculous what i said in february 2020 related to what i understood at that time to take actions yeah. at that time yep. in an appropriate way so you can always say and i'm from the research world and i get sent things every day oh i don't know whether this one proves it or not we better do 10 more we better see and as uh, a consequence yeah. we either procrastinate or i would say slightly in a more nasty way Trent, we avoid We avoid. Is that a fear? fear Is that is that?
2: Yeah, Yeah. fear. Yeah, you just you just answered my question before I answered it. Yeah, Mm. yeah.
1: Fear is. I mean, being afraid. Okay, is okay. I don't mind people being cautious, but again, fear itself is no actual reason. In fact, fear is very dangerous if it leads to inaction. If you fail to respond to the threat in the environment, or you never do. You know, a life never lived is one lived in fear. You yeah. know, you never actually do anything, you never experienced the mastery. But more importantly, the change. I mean, there's great personal satisfaction in doing things. And you've missed it. I've been very lucky in my life to be associated with things that have mm. actually, mm. where Australia's, Australia in particular has done things in Beyond Blue, in Headspace, in technology, in mental health, and other changes. You yep. know, yep. I must say, Australia's done things in HIV, I mean, in alcohol, and we've done things during the COVID era. And, you know, we sometimes, sometimes when we get organized and we don't get lost in silliness, we sometimes use, we go, okay, we don't know everything, but we know enough to take sensible actions. But there is a leadership element to that. And your key point here, there's a thinking clearly, okay, what are the best set of options now that are reasonable and are, are good steps along the way to a longer term purpose?
2: Right, okay. So so if, if short, medium and longer term purpose is what helps us to think clearly, what prevents us from thinking clearly other than not having a short, medium and long-term purpose?
1: Well, you've named two, procrastination and fear. Okay. I think are have to. So avoidance, you know, and in a personal sense, I mean, in my world, I'm always struck you with know, fear of criticism. You know, there's particular types of fears. There's fears that you might, you know, in the health world, do harm to others. You might make the situation worse. Right. But then you somehow have to live with, oh, my God, Look how the situation currently is. You know, yeah. how much actually Imposter are you prepared episodes. to tolerate. Yeah. Yeah. How much are you to tolerate the current situation. Interestingly, one I think in leadership positions, et cetera, is fear of criticism. You know, people will not everyone will be happy about this, you know. Mm. And if you what you're seeking is popular award and to be cheered as you arrive, and you'll arrive with an unpleasant and somewhat difficult message, you know. Yeah. Like This is going to be hard. This is going to be difficult. Not everyone's going to agree. There are in many, most processes of serious change, there are winners and losers. You know, some people are going to not like it because they have vested interests in the way things are Mm. in various ways, Mm. you know. So how you deal with that. So I think one of the issues that happens, and I think increasingly in our world, leadership has given away to popularism better to be popular Instagram liked an influencer than actually a decision maker or somebody who goes, no, actually, you know what, you know, there are harder things to be done if, but they will deliver greater benefit. You know, there are really good reasons to actually, and I think in the thinking clearly, one has to clearly articulate what they are, not be naive about it. Yeah. You know, what is actually going to result? So if you are running a campaign for anything, what are the reasonable doubts, reasonable fears, reasonable critiques that people have? What are the unreasonable ones? And here's the hard bit. Sometimes you have to say some of those are unreasonable. You know, sometimes you have to call out the unreasonable
2: ones. Mm, mm.
1: Often that will lead, I mean, particularly in the current social media world and Twitter world, you know, it might unleash upon you <laughs> degrees of unpleasantness. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah,
2: we're seeing that, aren't that all very around now. Mm. Easy. Yep.
1: Yeah. And I think I think that has made uh, many of our political leaders and many of our social leaders actually less willing to lead, you know, actually an interesting, well, we'll see where the public wants to go. And then if enough of them for long enough, actually want to do something, you know, um, then we'll act.
2: Is, so, <laughs> you know? so that's a, that's a very interesting statement that you've made there. And, and uh, it's interesting that we're sort of going down this path, but there's there's lots of discussion going around about you know the primacy of uh, the medical health professionals around this covid yeah. story this narrative at the moment and whether you know the politicians should be leading more or or taking all of the advice and acting on all of the advice from the medical health professionals and there's many there will be many listeners out there saying well you know the politicians aren't necessarily leading their are Taking all the medical advice and acting on that, because of course all the medical advisors are are not in total agreement, even around our own country,
1: let alone the world. Right? Exactly true. And you just hit the nail on the head, or something. You know, in in eras of uncertainty, COVID, what a great example. Mm. There Mm. is no yes, there is no health advice. I mean, that itself is an illusion. Right. And that's a lack of transparency wow. in a particular thing. In fact, what health professionals know any particular day? You've only got to lived in Australia for the last year and found that each state health officer, you know, actually does not result. We do not have the same responses in New South Wales versus Victoria. We've Indeed. had the responses in Western Australia and Queensland. Right. <laughs> so clearly there are different options available. The health advice, I, I'm, it's a very interesting differentiation, mate. the health advice is actually is a pool of information which has options associated with it. Right, Right, yeah. And it it can present to government from a health perspective what are those series of options that are available to it. Mm. And right around the world, just to go further, right around the world at the moment in different situations, different governments all saying they're acting on health advice or if you follow the... Issues in the UK in recent times, including people from the Prime Minister's office there who have now left there and said actually the health advice was X and the Prime Minister did Y, (laughs) you know, but and people said they were acting on health advice, etc. You can see the differentiation between advice and I would say the critical point you're making about decision making and leadership. And clearly, the social implications of COVID are an excellent example. Health advice is one thing. Economic advice is another. Mm -hmm. Social is another. Mm -hmm. Political judgments to be made. There are value judgments to be made. Yeah. The, just take the UK example. Clearly, there was a belief early in the UK that the lives of older people were of less value than the economic and social benefits to younger people. You know, and that actually, if, a, if the virus mainly killed older people at the ends of their lives, then there would be a higher social tolerance for that. That was a value judgment.
2: Yeah. That indeed. was not
1: health advice. Health advice never went anywhere near that. <laughs> From a simple health point of view, all lives are valuable from an economist's point of view not so you know <laughs> etc so for sure you know i think it's a very good example of when you move from advisory to decision making or and i would say in situations like the ones i'm in where i'm giving technical advice all the time being honest about the range of options and being honest about the uncertainty right the uncertainty of the situation
2: so the, the assumptions the that we make the assumptions that we make, yeah. being being clear about uh, what we what we know and what we don't know, um, is what is what you're saying, yeah,
1: yeah, and being transparent and open about that. And I think the one of the things that happened again in the modern media age is to pretend uncertainty doesn't exist. Huge uncertainty exists. The COVID mm. was a fabulous example, like how the thing spread. Is it more lethal than the flu? You know, what is the what is the real nature of the thing? You know, huge uncertainties. Now, the scientific process in the background and others is trying to resolve as many of those things in real time, but it's res- responding to data in real time. Now we have variants. You know, there are like all, uh, some more infectious than others or yeah. not. You know, people are giving advice. So I think sometimes in the public domain in particular, lacks of transparency. I go back to the leadership question and thinking clearly. You know, thinking clearly in, in the world I'm in actually means conceding uncertainty. Okay,
2: Right, conceding and therefore, uncertainty.
1: therefore, why? Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, when you say there's a clear way forward, the rationale behind that and the uncertainties that sit around that, okay, and a willingness a willingness to be going, this is my research world, well, that was a great idea. But in practice, it didn't really work out. And did we learn from that? Did yeah. we learn to correct quickly enough the assumptions that we had made to set a better course towards where our medium-term or longer-term destinations really are? so a capacity to be self-critical you sometimes again in the in the uh leadership world you know but you said that we would get x you know and we would arrive there by this time frame you know right or wrong as distinct from well that's the intention you know but the, the process of arriving there will contain revolve reflection and consideration and a willingness to continuously challenge my own assumptions about that so thinking clearly is it also got to do with mm. being open to taking on critique or, ev- more importantly, evidence as it emerges. Now, evidence, again, is not yes or no. It's a collection of best things. So, you know, what we would talk about as being evidence-informed, right? The health right. advice is, 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 is complex advice, distilled best it can be, on yeah. And and when the risks associated with it. Now, of course, in real life, we're doing that all the time, you know. Yep. If you say, as I back out of my garage this morning, can you guarantee that I'll arrive at work without crashing my car? You know?
2: Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah no, indeed.
1: <laughs> so I think what I think leaders are often asked to make unrealistic statements as distinct from realistic statements. Clear, th- Your clear thinking, I think, is clear thinking and clear messaging about where we really are. And I, and I say this in terms of, the collective issue of working with people, which is a matter of trust. If you want to arrive and do really important things, there are serious issues of trust involved. I mean, just going back to the uh, warrior concept, and I'm glad you clarified what exactly that is, but you know, when people's lives are on the line historically in armed forces and whatever, the issues of trust in particular, willing to take actions on the belief that the best possible options have been explored is central. And I think that's Within, true
2: of you know, all, all sectors as well, not just in the military. It's true of all forms of leadership as well.
1: Yeah. So in the health sector, you're going into a hospital, right, yeah. for operation or you've just been run over in the road and taken by ambulance to a hospital. You are placing enormous trust Indeed. in that system, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, and you become – now, so the leadership and accountability in those systems has to respect that trust, you know, and I think provide an honest and straightforward, informed – you know, in a particular way. Now, it's interesting what, what prevents that. I mean, sometimes I think people say, okay, I'm going to be so open, I'll confuse the hell out of you, <laughs> right? So like God knows what too I Too
2: much information. Communicating everything all the time is sometimes not as effective as, you know, select information at the right time.
1: Well, it's not, it's not on, I would go further and say it's not honest information, right? So what right. in the medico-legal world around health, you should tell people all of the possible complications of all of the possible things,
2: right? Mm, mm.
1: And at that point, most people would never do anything Yeah. without accurately communicating, okay, if we do nothing, what's likely to happen to you? If we do this much, what yeah. are the possibilities? Yep. If we go so far, what are the rare? I mean, you see this around vaccination at the moment. Sure. What are the extremely rare complications but are true? But what are the... Comp- implications for you but not just for you but for those people you care about for the whole community if you don't you know so putting individual action is vaccinations an excellent mm. example within a wider social context you so know it's like every second so, conversation
2: in the in the public right now
1: yes mm. so the issues around vaccination not just ones of individual risk and that being accurately communicated and best information being continuously updated about that and then that being communicated well yeah certain things as the situation actually changes so it's kind of interesting because i i think and uh, you know i think in the political domain but also I think in the health domain the health domain's been really interesting and if you go back in australian history of hiv or use, issues of dealing with heroin epidemics you know, australia's been lucky i think in the health domain in many key public health areas to have had very strong health leadership and when those people speak you know, they tend to be trusted by the community, but I think they tend to speak very honestly. They don't very, in most situations. Mm. Yes. Mm.
2: Okay. So, so in, if, you know, for the, for the average leader amongst us or, um, you know, just for the average listener, uh, you know, listening in around the world right now, how do we, how do we focus on thinking more clearly, obviously setting those short, medium and long-term goals, but what specifically would you recommend for us to think more clearly.
1: So on the issue you're trying to deal with is actually being prepared to be engaged with the information right. and with the people who provide that information. Right. So listen. what annoys me is people who want complex things explained in 30 seconds. And then the answer is X.
0: <laughs> There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. Right.
1: And then I'm going to go and then I'm going to go and lead these people into that particular thing. Yeah, yep. And I I often go, now, hang on a second. If you're going to take on some serious thing here at the moment, you've got to engage with the complexity of it further, right? Yep. Because it ain't going to be leading them just over the next hill or leading them for the next 10 minutes. Mm. You know, Mm. most things are going to take a longer term of thing and we may need to change course or tackle, you know, in various ways along the way. Yeah. And you don't want people to lose that trust along the way very quickly, you know, because they, they want people to continue to work with the process of serious change. You know, let's face it. The leadership clear thing is about change. It's not about business as usual.
2: Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's indeed. about
1: change. Yep. It's about challenges, right? And challenges into uncertainty. You know, we're so, headed into uncertain territory, but there's a good reason we're going there. Yep. We may have to adapt what we do along the way, but we're not going to fall apart along the way right yeah so, you know and having groups of people who can then stick together to deliver that change mm-hmm. at, with uncertainty perhaps with disappointment perhaps with unforeseen factors along the way becomes critical that requires a willingness i think to become familiar with the territory right
2: you know right getting getting across just getting across just, the detail yeah yeah yeah,
1: being, yeah well enough of the detail to understand the uncertainty Got if you like, and the reasonable fears from the unreasonable, just you know, mm. obstruction, mm. you know, to be able to, therefore, to use the fight the battles you need to fight, but also to cop the criticism that you might need to cop along the way, the things that you might need to take on board. And there's a flexibility, so there's a cognitive flexibility that goes with clear thinking, you know, yep. which is the incorporation of information at sufficient depth, but there's also a willingness to accept. Uh, conflicting information or criticism that's legitimate and try to see how that might come together. You know, so it's a continuous signal to noise actual kind of operation.
2: Yeah, right. So that
1: you have a greater capacity to think. I, was, I mean, I said this this week because I'll I tell you what, I, re- I said some other things I really hate. So I was there on a political process this week. Well, we've consulted with everybody. I okay, go, good. And that created huge amount of noise.
0: Mm, mm.
1: <laughs> and so the way forward is what? Well, confusion. It's all of that noise is a little bit of everything to make it less noisy. Yeah. I go, as far as I'm concerned, that is the abrogation of the responsibility of leadership. All those people have been consulted with a leading organization or a decision maker in order to inform that decision. But in and of itself, so I think there are other um, – when you're going to say other uh, – <laughs> we talk about fear, we talk about other things, procrastination. There's other ways, the pretense of consultation, right? Yeah, that's that's you know, interesting. If you, to do nothing, if you want to do nothing, keep consulting, keep consulting. I'm consulting more, I'm consulting yep. more. You know, you just create more and more noise, which becomes more and more reason why we can't. In the world I'm in, the usual reasons lined up as to why we can't do something is – these six organisations or those 10 things are, are against it. And in order to include all those organisations, we can't take that action.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Actually. Yeah.
2: And, yeah and, that's and, called and, business
1: as usual. Yeah.
2: And a leader's <laughs> job is to make decisions and care for their people. And some you can't keep everybody happy. If you do, if you try to do that, you're going to keep nobody happy.
1: I think in all the great parables and stories mm. about the downfall of keeping everybody happy. Can I make my earlier comment? If you want to mm. be popular all the time, don't put yourself in a leadership job. You know, popularity, (laughs) you know, I always laugh when I say popularities of prime ministers and popularities of others. In some ways, they often do a better job when they're unpopular. You know, if you look at the big decisions that have been made by political leaders over time that have really mattered, often they've been very unpopular at the time they've made it because they're very confronting. It's actually interesting because you often see uh, leaders who are respected, right? Not necessarily liked, but mm. they were respected for their capacity to make decisions, and because people actually see the values behind it. Yeah. So another aspect of that, they see the values-driven aspect of that. They may not agree with it, but actually they can see where it's coming from, mm. and therefore they can choose to go with that or not, in in particular ways, you know, and. You may disagree. I mean, you may actually disagree. I mean, in fact, there are, there are definitely things I disagree with, but I actually find uh, lead genuine leaders of things that much easier to deal with because I can much more clearly articulate with those people why I disagree, Yeah. you know, and they may be operating to a different value system. And I can see that's why it's different, or they have chosen to prioritize different kinds of information in the particular things. And I can, I, I can respect that that is a reasonable alternative. You know, so I don't agree, Mm. but I can respect and I can actually, you know, actually respond to that, you know, in particular ways. So I think it's really interesting where leadership becomes a popularity vote. As my my kids say all the time, that the chance of you being elected to anything is nil. (laughs) But on the other hand, on the other hand, people coming and asking you to lead something is quite common.
2: Yeah, indeed. Bram and I often talk about, uh, so, so I've I'm of the belief that you know leadership is not a popularity contest, and uh, Bram will say that leadership is about winning a fan base, which I think is more in line with respect, because you know gaining that respect for a leader is where you gain the fans. You don't have to like them, but you can respect uh respect a leader right um
1: yeah trust base i mean that that fan base is interesting i Mm. I don't want fans i don't want fans i want the key i want the people who are capable Mm. Mm. myself to trust them and them to trust me that we're on the journey together yeah whether we like each other or not i don't want them to be a fan this ain't a popularity or narcissistic contest for me right so fan base, I mean, I've thinking about um, another great um, footy, footy coaches are not a bad analogy of these kind of things. Mm, mm. I don't know if you've ever spoken to Wayne Bennett and his fabulous coaching career. <laughs>
2: We've spoken to a few coaches. Fan base ain't the
1: thing, but yeah, trust yeah. and belief. Yep. Yeah, you know, trust and belief. People work with him, uh, you know, others. Um, uh, Lee Matthews, you said, coaches have been fabulously successful are not always popular. Yeah. But boy, are they trusted yeah. by the leadership groups and others. Who've got capability to take those actions, and they then have coherence of actions. They don't have warring parties yeah. within their group. They've got coherence of actions, but they also have delegated authority. They have mutual trust between now. Everything I've been associated with, as my kids point out, you haven't achieved very much, Dad. But the few really? things that I have really? achieved, <laughs> you know, they just the need to Google I you. Have achieved, <laughs> well, you can fool some of the people some of the time, but you never fool your kids. You know, <laughs> they're just <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. But the, the key bits of achievement uh, have been where capable people have trusted each other to take a collective action in yep. particular areas. And, um, and that's an interesting thing as well about working with people to some degree you don't like or disagree with or i don't have a strong personal relationship with but i do trust them Mm. i know where they're coming from they've got a capability for most social action that i'm involved in bigger plot things they're not single person they're not all rally behind a single leader Mm. but they are leaders who can form groups of capable people to take collective action and the issue is have you got the right capability set have you got the right group you know, I don't want groupies. I want people who've got the right capabilities to form functional groups Yeah, right. and then contribute to that out of trust and out of shared values or a shared goal for a particular thing, you know, and that, um, you know, interesting in the COVID thing, uh, was quite hopeful at the start of it that when our Prime Minister talked about forming a national cabinet because really it's a national crisis, we haven't really had a national crisis like it since the Second World War, mm. we do expect politics of the day to be put aside for collective action, you know. In our, in our situation, the Commonwealth has certain capabilities The states have certain capabilities where we need those capabilities to act in concert. Yeah. We don't need to be fighting every day. It wasn't my fault. It was your fault. It doesn't help anybody. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you know, and that's a good example. I think there are examples. But in organizations, smaller organizations, we often have, of course, we have different responsibilities. We have different capabilities. I've got to work with people all the time who have a completely different skill set to me. Hmm. I'm not very good with money and numbers and accounting. I'm not very good with contracting. I'm not very good with yeah. certain other technical other kind of things, different technical Pretty good with so the I brain though.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the easy bit. <laughs> Just talk about technology. I don't know what's under the boot of a car. You know, someone hands me, I'm trying to run technology companies and things at the moment. Yeah. I am deeply trusting. I've got to make sure i got the right people. We've got to agree what's going on. Yeah. You know, otherwise we go around in circles. So I think, some kinds of leadership, and there's not what necessarily is meant, but the fan-based leadership where people are afraid to tell you mm. what you need to know. So I a thing, I'm going to say leadership thing, I must say over time, I've generally tried to recruit people who I know are going to disagree with me, right? Yep. I know they come through experience or background or diversity or somewhere else. I know it's highly likely that they don't share my view. Or my background, therefore, they're likely to have a different take on the problem.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think I think you can still, you know, still respect a leader and disagree with them, and and in fact, yeah. you know, that is um, that's required in order to think clearly, right? To to get all that information. What about so? What about those people that are just struggling to get clarity? You know, when we're talking about thinking clearly, what we're really talking yep. about. Really, really, at the heart of the problem is getting clarity, and, and some people just get overwhelmed with the information that's coming at them, and and don't have that. Maybe don't have that, you know, that capacity to do that. Are there are there sorts of therapies like CBT, cognitive behavioural therapy, that that helps you reframe?
1: Totally. This is where the movement to cognitive therapies has been really helpful. Right. Usually, tell in us about that. Is because you see the whole, you see the whole thing. Mm. Climate change, disaster, nothing to be done.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. right.
1: World's going to win. Icebergs are going to melt. Sea-level's going to rise. We're all going to die. You know, and I can't do anything. There's no action to be taken. Right. Um, the problem is so big. It's in the future. It's so global. And, and you can't see any way forward. You know, actually reducing the problem to series of tractable steps, short, medium, long term. Right. What's the role of the individual? What's the role of groups? What are the actions to be taken? In now. In, in people's individual lives, they do the same thing. They catastrophize, they overgeneralize, they point to the future, they get overwhelmed. They make the problem too big, Yep. you know, and can, the steps to getting there are overwhelming, not possible.
2: Like writing a PhD you know, and classic. leaving it to the last moment.
1: <laughs> For example. For example. Yeah, the classic one, of course, is people say, you know, they're standing at the bottom of a 300-foot cliff. I can't get from the bottom to the top by going straight up that cliff. Yeah, you go, indeed. no, you can't. No. But you can walk around the other side and walk up the hill that is at the back. You know, you've got to break the thing down to, yes, that's the goal, but how do I get there? What are the steps over what time frame, and what other sets of people, actions, capabilities do I need to have in place to achieve that goal? And yeah. what is realistic about that? You know, what is it that each of us in our own lives can do in particular ways, you know, over time? Um, and so breaking those things down and breaking them right down to even what am I doing today that is relevant to the particular, particular issue. And then what might I do over the next week or over the next month to particular things. So when people create entirely unrealistic timeframes, scope, scale, they give up, you know, they're overwhelmed. And I think that is a lack of clear thinking, like all that information is true, but it's actually not relevant to action. <laughs> you know? So the other bit of cognitive Indeed. therapy, interestingly, raise it used to be called cognitive behavioural therapy. It was what did you need to think to take the action, the behaviour?
2: Right. Today, you know. Right. So it's not called CBT. Iteration. It's not called CBT anymore.
1: Well, a lot of it is presented as cognitive therapy. Right. But when I was young. The B bit always mattered. The cognition bit only mattered to what you did next, right? Because the interesting thing happens. I tell you why. It's an iterative loop. When you do different, you think different, right? Okay. Actually, it isn't all this funny thing. Humans have this idea that they think and then they act. Actually, there's as much evidence that we act and then we think about it afterwards. Actually, <laughs> why did I do that? Yeah, we and reflect actually,
2: on it if we do reflect at all.
1: Yeah, or we yeah. make up a reason why we did it, which probably wasn't the reason we did it. Anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, We're great at post hoc explanations.
2: Yeah, well, there's, there's, a lot of, um, there's a lot of study around actually knowing that you're going to, to make a decision or do something that you know is incorrect, but you go ahead and do it anyway, right?
1: Right, and a lot of what you predict turns out not to be true.
2: Cor- right? Exactly, because we know, worry about things like, that are in the past or in the future, not what's happening now.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you may be completely wrong in your set of assumptions, Sure, right? You know... I'm not going to contact these three people because they're not going to help me. Did you ring them? No. Did mm-hmm. you actually ask them? No. Mm-hmm. Ring them. Yeah. Oh, I rang those three people. Guess what? One of them, in fact, the one I never thought would help, wants to help. Yeah. He or she has their own reason. Oh, really? You know, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, so actually the challenging of thoughts through action and, in fact, the discovery of opportunity through action changes the way that you think about it. In fact, the only way of challenging dysfunctional thinking is to go out and test it in the real world right. and find that it's wrong and the assumptions that you make are wrong. Now, we do this all the time. We assume certain groups aren't going to work with us. We assume people aren't going to do X. We assume it's not possible to do Y. Which makes the problem a less
2: clear, doesn't yeah. it? Because you, we're making that yeah. assumption that it's all much more difficult than it probably yeah. would be in reality.
1: Yeah, and you also then miss opportunity. I think the, what, what in the leadership positions I've been in along the way, mm. it's not that we were necessarily right in the beginning. The, the direction was right. How we right. got there and who joined in along the way right. <laughs> turned right. out to be fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some of the things that have been successful, I won't tell you so much about the ones that were unsuccessful, <laughs> but the ones that have been successful, <laughs> it's usually been because unexpected allies, unexpected yeah. groups, unexpected things. So, you can't have the clear thinking thing is also you can't have planned out in intimate detail all the things that will happen because you don't know. Mm -hmm. Funny thing about predicting the future, you have to wait till the future arrives. You can't, you know, people want to say, but I want to know. Well, you actually don't know because there will be things, contingencies, other things. What you need to have is a clear direction about what the future can be or what you're seeking to achieve, you know, the sort of things that you're aiming at without specifying all of the specifics along the way. And the leadership bit in it, so the clear thinking has been clear about the goal, clear about then the strategy, clear about the initial tractable processes and our willingness, a willingness to build the partnerships, the teams, the capabilities to achieve that along the way, Yeah, an, an openness to being influenced by that.
2: Yeah, in the um, in the defence forces, we often talk about selection and maintenance of the aim. So you know, uh, uh, having that goal to head towards, and then maintaining that along the way as we go through, you know, whatever particular mission it is. Yeah, so leadership.
1: Yeah, yeah one of the one of the things about that clear thinking is got to the what you said. The main it's it's the purposefulness of it. okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is the overarching purpose here? Right.
2: Yeah. The now, why. all the
1: particular elements or the decisions each day. Yeah. The why. The mm. why's got to be clear. Yeah. You know, nobody's on board for without come clear articulation of the why, and then the strategy. then, then the strategy. Okay. In order to do that, we're heading north. Okay. Mm. Mm. You know, this is on based of all available evidence. The best way to get there is to go north. Yeah. Now, whether we have to tack slightly east first and then go a bit further west, first, well, we're going north. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to have to be open to the contingencies that arise and be influenced by that. But we're not suddenly unclear. I mean, Defence Force is probably the best example of this. You know, You can only really expect people to put their life on the line and act in a particular way if the why is clear
2: mm. and
1: there's trust and the purposefulness of the activity is clear. Yeah. In particular, yeah, it gets
2: harder advice. otherwise, and, that's for sure.
1: Yeah. And, you know, in any serious organisation involved physical threat or, or any other particular thing, it's not unreasonable, you know, the purpose and, and the value to yourself and to others, to those you care about. So purposeful activity mm. is important, mm. you know. Mm. If you're trying to lead people to do questionable things, to do, or worse, I think in our modern world, purposeless things, <laughs> you know. Right. I was struck, there's a German word which I can't repeat, but it's got to do with basically couch sitters—people who just sit on couches—and <laughs> they're often in leadership positions, right? <laughs> but
2: uh, absolutely. But,
1: but they're not. They're just there to prevent <laughs> activity, right? You know, as well. And, That's uh, interesting. That's see, a really interesting you know, concept. You know, yeah, mm. And a lot of public sector organisations and whatever there—they're occupiers of the position. Yep. But they're not, and they're incre- and It's incredibly demoralising and frustrating. And you see this not just in public sector, but in larger organisations, et cetera. So there's an interesting thing here about the units of organisation and and the identification of whether people at various levels of those things are actually engaged in leadership. Yep. Are they engaged in clear Or are
2: they managing, thinking? leading or managing? Or
1: are they keeping the seat warm, mm. you know, and deriving personal? Now, that's actually really, really interesting because, I think for those of us who are interested in change in these organisations, there's a need to deal with that, okay? Yep. We need to engage those people at all levels of organisations who are in jobs, not to keep the couch warm, but actually at the level at which they are capable or to join in particular mm, things, mm, you know? Mm. But, but um, the inertia that we see in many of the areas, or the frustra- I think the frustration of many people who attempt Things is to, is to you know. I actually say look, the problem isn't with the people who disagree with us. Okay. Yep. That's easy. Yep. That's easy and recognizable and if they're straightforward, we it's a contest of ideas or a contest of values, whatever it is. The hard one is the passive resistors. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I'm here to help. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Helping. Yeah.
2: And they can be in leadership positions.
1: Not helping yeah and many occupy senior positions in organizations yep you know or occupy levels of critical leadership and I think one of the problems is is except so for critical critical thinking is to identify who needs to be within organizations relevant to take actions mm.
2: yeah that's that's fascinating it's absolutely fascinating look Ian I think um, there's been so much that you've uh, given us over the last 45 minutes or so and uh And the big takeaway from for me is that sort of small medium long term goals and clarity around information i think I think that 's really useful for myself and everybody that 's listening and I really did want to uh, say thank you to you for giving up your very valuable time. I know how busy you are and uh, all of the work that, uh, that you do behind the scenes in understanding this and many other uh, aspects around uh, mental health and, and the brain and, and, and thinking. So uh, thank you very much for your time today.
1: Thanks for the opportunity.
2: Thanks, Ian.
0: Thanks very much for listening, gang. Our pre-recording producers are the amazing team at Talent and Truth. Special thanks to Sabine and Samantha. Caitlin Swallow is our post-production editor. Thanks to Jess Bunker for research. If you like what you heard, please follow, download, and subscribe. There's a weekly blog on the Warrior U website and a fortnightly newsletter that you can sign up to at HindsightLeadership.com. That's all one word. Thank you for listening to the Warrior U podcast presented by Hindsight Leadership and Resilience.